Welcome back. Another episode of Dynasty Theory. If you're watching on YouTube, hit that subscribe button. Just subscribe for us. Come on. What's up, Mitch? Yeah, we, I said we wouldn't ask, but that was last show. This is a new show. It's a little bit different, but yes, please subscribe. Yeah, it helps us out, obviously. All right. So tight ends, Mitch. We're going over some tight ends today. If you have not caught up on recent episodes, we've done a very similar format for quarterbacks, running backs, wide receivers, talking about some opportunities to acquire some veterans today at a very favorable price, and then putting our one-year look-ahead glasses on and trying to figure out how values are going to swing, who's going to be the most valuable out of groups of three. So we're going to be doing something very similar this morning. All right, we're going to start off strong here, Mitch. So as we always do, let's assume 12 team super flex two PPR for tight ends in all discussions throughout the entire episode. Okay. And I think it just, if anyone's in 1.75, I treat those the exact same as the two. It's just when you get down to the 1.5 premiums that you just do end up valuing tight ends just a little bit less. If we talk about draft picks and stuff like that. Yeah, there was an interesting question in the chat yesterday. It was a league where somebody's in a startup. There, you have to start a quarterback, a running back, and then I think it's all flex spots. Oh, I remember that. Yep. Or wide receivers and tight ends. So the discussion kind of was geared around okay, if you don't need to start a tight end, but there is a two PPR aspect, how does that really impact it? So we were kind of going through different scenarios. So keep that in mind. Uh, throughout this discussion, kind of recalibrate your brain, if you will, to think about, okay, well, my league has 1.5 PPR. My league, we have to start two tight ends. We don't have to start any tight ends. So there is going to be a little variation here from league to league. So keep that in mind. All right, Mitch, who do you prefer right now? TJ Hawkinson or Mark Andrews? You know, it was Hawkinson until, what was it, the last week of the year when... Um, Hawkinson blew out his, I think it was an ACL. I think he messed up his MCL as well. There were a couple letters in there. Yeah. So for me, it, it was Hawkinson up until that. And now it's Andrews. And the biggest reason for it is when like you could see quarterbacks coming back pretty fast from something like that. You can see linemen coming back pretty fast, but with the tight end, you're expecting them to do everything that the wide receivers are doing. And they're going to have to block. So they're going to have to absorb and put force on that knee. So for me, I'm just, I'm completely out on Hawkinson, especially his value right now, because value, he's still tight end four to five at worst. And I'm not even sure if he comes back by November or December this upcoming season. So for me, I'm completely out on his value. Right now, and we've talked about this on multiple episodes and in the Discord chat, uh, the link for the Discord's below. It's completely free if you want to come check it out. Conversations going 24-7. But we've been talking about TJ Hawkinson, and uh, you know we've been talking about fantasy calc values. We've been talking about the ADP and how those mesh together and how we're going to see some shifts as the offseason progresses. So fantasy calc based on actual trades, TJ Hawkinson still coming in at tight end two. Oh, tight end, yeah. tight end two. <laughs> That's not updated yet. All right. <laughs> and then in, oh man, I'm having glitches. Oh, no, the I'm internet glitches. And then, oh, I know it got me again, even after upgrading, I think, allegedly. 
You're good. You're good. With ADP, he's coming in, he being TJ Hawkinson, at tight end three. So I think that that's going to start to get a little bit more, you know, uh, we're going to settle into that four, five, six range until we start to get some positive news as typically is needed throughout offseason injuries whenever you're you're heading into the offseason. And we're going to see his value probably continue to decrease because folks are going to realize, well, I'm not going to get early season production from Hawkinson. So for me, I have them tiered together. You get what two years back going Hawkinson over Andrews, but you have that beginning of the season concern push comes to shove. I would go Mark Andrews straight up. Yeah. The same. Same. And what would be needed for you if you're going from one or the other? Like, does a 24-205 swing it for you? Is that no. enough? No, it's not enough for me. See, for me, it, for me, it would be. It would have to be earlier than that. Because right now, if I could get like the 201, 202, I would probably do it. But the 205 range, it's when we start getting to those iffy rookies. And for me, I would rather just, like, if I'm giving up on an Andrews, I want to make sure that I'm still getting points, right? And some of the rookies that we get at the 205, the 206, the 207, we're not even counting on getting us points for the 24 season. Yeah, but it gives you additional leverage. You can leverage, insulation, yada, yada, yada. Just give me the points, man. Insulation. Does this, does it change for you if you have solid options outside of a Hawkinson or Andrews? Like, let's say you have Evan Ingram, David Njoku, and TJ, what was that? Yeah, yeah. I mean, if you have a solid starter, then yeah, going down two years and giving Hawkinson the time to come back is, that's the perfect thing you can do. But if you don't have that option, then I wouldn't be doing the trade for Hawkinson. Okay. Now, so you've gone Andrews over TJ Hawkinson. The notes today, there's a lot of layering based on, did you ever, the, the Goosebumps books? Of course. And there were the ones that you could like choose the like options. Choose, yeah. Yeah. Choose I your know. path. That, yep. That's kind of where we are here. Mark Andrews or the 2024 105. 105 without hesitation. I'd, okay. I'd go all the way down to the 107. Okay. And is that because of where you see Brock Bowers may be going? Maybe you have the, your quarterback too that you can still get in that 105 range. Yeah, as much as I used to build off of these, hey, I really want these high-end tight ends. Now that Kittle's getting to 30, Andrews is getting to 30, those kind of tight ends, um, I love the top seven picks in this draft. Like, absolutely love mm-hmm. them. I don't care if I have 103, 107, 105, 106. I love all of the players there. So if I could get out of one of these aging veteran tight ends, and get to one of these rookies that I have a lot of faith that are going to do really well over the next 10 years, then that's what I'm going to do because I think there's some other tight ends we'll talk about later that I probably value pretty closely to Andrews and Hawkinson at this point. Maybe there would be opportunities that you move off of a Hawkinson or Andrews at their current face value, let's say that 104, 105 range, and then you can buy back almost equal production from a two-year outlook by going one of those other other 
tight end options that are going to be far less expensive. Agreed. And that leads us into Evan Ingram or David Njoku. Who do you prefer? Uh, so I was, when I started looking at the sheet that you sent me, I was, that's going to be David Njoku. Then I actually started really thinking about it, right? Thinking about how the Jaguars offense is built. Right now they have Christian Kirk who uh, wrecked his, um, it was ACL, right? Pretty sure it was his ACL. But anyways, he's out for a while. And then Calvin Ridley's probably not going to be back with the team. And then you have Evan Ingram, right? Who I didn't realize how much of a stud he was last year, but I'm pretty sure, correct me if I'm wrong, John, he was tight in three on the season. Um, he's just going to keep getting fed. And as much as I like David Njoku, and David Njoku was amazing the last six, seven, eight weeks of the season, Evan Ingram was great almost every single game that he played. So for me, I was positive it was going to be David Njoku, but it's really Evan Ingram. We have ACLs on the brain. It was a core muscle injury oh, you're for right. Christian it Kirk. Was. It was. You said ACL. And I was like, I can't remember exactly what the injury uh, was. Like, That's wrong. I don't <laughs> think it was that. So to clarify that on uh, yeah. our buddy Christian Kirk. But uh, so Evan Ingram over David and Joku. Again, it's a, kind of a similar situation when we talk about Andrews and Hawkinson with the, the difference being you're probably going to get early season production from Njoku and Ingram, but similar in the sense that relatively equal value tiered together, you're getting back two years with David Njoku. You are. And that's pretty big. It really is. Yeah. I push comes to shove at this point in the off season. I, I'm going to lead. I'm going to lean David Njoku. See, man, Watson just ruins everything for me. I know, I know he's got that stink to him and you... No, I mean, he's just not a good quarterback. I don't mean like the off-the-field stuff. I just don't think he's very good. Okay. All right. Now, with you going Evan Ingram, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Evan Ingram or 109? This is so hard, man, because my issue with the 108, 109, 110 is there isn't a player I love there right now. There's guys to where, yeah, they get good draft capital, they're good at the combine, yada, yada. I'm going to start to fall in love with them. But right now, at this point, there isn't a guy that I really like between choosing between the 109 and the 203, right? For me, it's just a mixed mash of players. So right now, if I had to choose one, I would go with either of those two tight ends. But, either of them, okay. But I probably wouldn't make the trade. Just because value-wise, I think the 109 will keep going up in value. And these guys aren't going to gain value throughout the offseason, right? But I guarantee you the 109 will be worth more than both of these guys in two months. And from a perceived value standpoint, you know, you talk about the receiving core there in Jacksonville and the way that Atlanta-Jacksonville trade works out. If the Jaguars choose to extend Calvin Ridley, the uh, trade compensation varies by, I think, around. Mm -hmm. So based on his production, what we saw in 2023 with the additional context of the the piece that they'd have to trade, I don't think Calvin Ridley gets extended. I think that's kind of no. baked. I think that's baked into Evan Ingram's price right now. Mm -hmm. But you have to believe that they do something, whether it's free agency or the NFL draft and bring a wide receiver in. And I think at that point, 
it's going to negatively impact Evan Ingram's value enough that doesn't tie into what his expected production in 2024 should be. So at that point, I, I agree with you in terms of wanting to wait for a move like that, especially for Evan Ingram. Mm -hmm. uh, and I, I don't know that you necessarily, again, both of these tight ends, 27 and 29 years old as it stands today, I don't know that you need to go out and move that piece for either of them, right? Yeah, yeah. So if you have a 109 and you're looking to acquire one of those tight ends, I think you can get a kickback on like, heck, maybe even a, a middle second. Oh, easily. I I really, really think you can at this point. Or get a 25 second added. You know, there's still a lot of uh, a lot of opportunities out there to go out and get these 2025 picks at a really reasonable price. And we see in startups and we see what people are doing in our discord and they're doing in the Patreon and they're sharing their, their startup drafts from early in the off season here. And the way that people are able to accumulate these 25 first and second, they're, they're going around like, like hotcakes. People are just, and it's because of the, the, decrease value at this point. So I, I think there are going to be opportunities. And if you would go Engram or Njoku over the 109, you could certainly get something kicked back. And real quick, while we're talking about these rookie picks, just so everyone knows, after this, we're going to have um, a Patreon episode, um, just so everyone knows. And we're going to be talking about a mock draft and how we value these players and that sort of thing. And the reason why I bring that up is because this draft is hyper-specific on seven players right now. Mm -hmm. Previous drafts, it wasn't like this. Even last year's draft, it was, you want Bijan. Some people like Stroud. Some people like Bryce Young, right? But there was a couple guys we could like. This is really the first draft that I remember in a long time to where there is such a solid seven that I'm not seeing a lot of those top five, top six picks moved. Right. Like I see a lot of talk. We'll get into it in the in the episode after this. But. There, and there are fewer trades that I've seen so far. People moving up mm. from That's exactly. Oh, it. if you have one hundred one or you have one hundred two, and you don't really like the player there, just trade back. A lot of people are in that same boat. That exactly. even with the the name recognition and then the prospects that are Caleb Williams. And Marvin Harrison Jr., there are a lot of people that see uh, Jaden Daniels or I, they're, they're, Drake May is very divisive right now. Or if you're looking at uh, Malik Neighbors, I know Roma Dunze has, you know, uh, another divisive prospect. Brock Bowers, there are going to be so many people that I'm okay settling for whichever one of those guys is there. I had somebody reach out to me. I have the 103, 104, and 107 in a league. And they have the 102, and they said, do you want to move up for the 102? I said, I will add to the 107 to get up there. Mm -hmm. And they said, well, I, I'd want the 103 or 104 back. So <laughs> I'm, I'm in that boat right there yeah. that I have no interest in paying a premium when I'm more than happy getting whoever's there at 103 or 104 right now. Yep. Now, if the cost to move up is, this was talked about in the chat, a late second, just so I can secure my guy. That's that's the price of business if there was a guy I really want there at 102. But typically, people want a late first added on. Oh, minimum. 
yeah. to 103 or 104 to get up to 102. And that's not a price I'm willing to pay. And it goes back to how strong and the, the perceived strength of these top seven really are. You know, we see tier breaks every single year. And I, I have two. I have three and four. I have five through seven. Mm-hmm. But then I have a gap down to 108. Whereas before that gap, you might have seen after the first three picks, four picks, and it goes hand in hand with exactly what you were saying, Mitch. Yeah. It, I mean, not to completely derail this episode, but with, let's say I have right now in the draft, Marvin Harrison is my favorite player in this draft, right? Let's say I want to take him one on one, even over Caleb, because I love him that much, right? Mm-hmm. Do I really care enough? If someone wants to offer me the 103 and a whole bunch, so I drop back from Marvin Harrison to get Malik Neighbors, of course I'm probably going to make that trade, right? But I think that's what's going to happen with everybody. Anyone who has the 103, they're going to be like, I get Neighbors or I get May, whoever you like. Be like, well, I could just draft them and not have to pay up to get the 101. I think this year is really interesting because I don't remember a year like this to where, yes, we absolutely love the prospects at 101, 102, 103. But we equally love the 105 and 106s as well. So I just think the whole, you're going to hear a lot as everyone's going to be like, just like you brought up. Oh, just trade back and get more. Just trade back and get more. Great if you can, but I see very little reason to. And believe me, if I see it, everyone else is seeing it as well, right? If someone already has the 106, they've already thought about this. Maybe they're in desperate need for a quarterback, so they'll trade up to the 105. But... Like everyone's just good. So it just changes the dynamic of everything. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how it plays out. All right, back to tight ends. Yes, sir. Sorry. I I think I led that derailment. So don't apologize. Travis Kelsey or George Kittle getting a little bit older here. Who do you prefer? So this is going to have to be on a competing team, right? Yes. I mean, because I mean, you're not going to trade for either of these guys if you're rebuilding. No, of course. So for me, give me Kelsey because Kelsey is still the best tight end in the league as far as point scoring goes. Right. I know. I think Laporta beat him by like a couple points, but in all actuality, just give me Kelsey. Kelsey gives you every week what you're hoping to get from Kittle. Right. Kittle will go out and have the 30, 40 point games in these premium settings but then he won't touch the ball for the next four games. So for me, it's very easily Kelsey. Here's my problem. And it's been this way. I mean, for a year or two, when you look at Kittle and Kelsey, Kelsey is great until those wheels absolutely fall off, obviously. And, uh, you know, you're in a fight against time and an age and, it's always going to win. Unfortunately for Travis Kelsey, the, the, his time as a dynasty contributor will be coming to an end. I mean, heck, hopefully he plays until he's 40. That'd be wonderful. But here's my challenge with Travis Kelsey. Let's say you go get, uh, well, I'm just 20 points per game in two PPR in 2024. And then he retires. And we kind of talked about this with tight or uh, with wide receivers last week. Would you rather have that one year of production at 20 points per game? And then he just retires. He, he, he goes off into the sunset with, with his sweetheart there, you know, uh, and 
Okay, call it a day. Or, or would you rather have George Kittle at 15, 16 points per game over two years? Pull something up real quick, just because I want to make sure I'm going to go to the right year, unlike last last week, right, to where I was pulling up stats from like five years ago. trying to Right. About but I don't think Kittle gives you an advantage each week. I just don't. I, are there weeks that it does happen? Yes. Having Travis Kelsey in your lineup one through week, week 17, he is giving you an advantage over every other tight end besides like two, maybe every week. I don't think Kittle does the same thing. He gets, you know, him, Njoku, McBride, Komet, Ferguson. I mean, Ferguson's half the price of Kittle, but he's giving you like maybe one point a week difference. Yeah. And so for me, it's just, I don't think, I think we hold Kittle in the highest team because I still think he is the best tight end in the league in everything that he does. But being the best tight end doesn't really give us points, right? So if I could go down from Kittle and pick up a Ferguson plus something, I'm going to do that in every single one of my leagues. If I have to move from Kelsey down to like a Komet, I'm going to need something pretty good in order to do that. So just knowing that, I'm definitely going to be Kelsey way ahead of Kittle. Yeah, I, I the, these two tight ends specifically, I have tinkered with the tiers. I've gone back and forth, one over the other, flip it, mm-hmm. tier together. And then you mention all those other names like Evan Ingram, Jake Ferguson, David Njoku, Cole Komet. You know, a lot of hype this offseason with Michael Mayer. I, it's such an interesting dynamic because for the most part, you're not getting the value back if you move off of either of them. Yes. I offered my Travis Kelsey for David Njoku, for Jake Ferguson, for Evan Ingram. I offered him in a league for Cole Komet, rejected across the board. So it's almost like a moot point where you have them tiered because I don't think there's many trades happening involving a 34-year-old tight end where rumors were circulating that he may or may not already be thinking about retiring. And now it seems like he's coming back for at least 2024. But how much longer do we have the luxury of plugging those points into our lineup each and every week and never having to worry about the tight end position? I don't know. I don't know how much longer we have. So between the two, I mean, this conversation, I I talked about going back and forth and updating the tinkering a little bit. I I think I, I put Kittle and Kelsey in the same tier because you probably get a little bit uh, more time with George Kittle, but you don't get the the consistency and that high-end consistency that you get from Travis Kelsey. Is right. that fair? No, it's completely fair. Yep. If If you were offered, let's go with that 205 we mentioned earlier when pivoting from Andrews to Hawkinson, mm-hmm. would you do would you move your Kelsey for Kittle and 205? Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah. I would do that. Yep. 2 210. I can probably talk myself into it. And then and that's two, probably what you're looking at too. Yeah. It's and then in I I feel like the price certainly for for these guys like it's it's really difficult in existing leagues to get the value on Travis Kelsey because 
anybody that is more geared towards youth, they don't want to bring Travis Kelsey on. Anybody already set at the tight end position, they don't want to bring Travis Kelsey on. Yep. So we always talk about your league in general. You have uh, typical 12-team leagues. You have 11 trade partners to start with. Well, right off the bat with a player like Travis Kelsey, you're getting rid of maybe seven or eight trade partners. That leaves you with three or four but if they don't have the pieces that interest you, or let's say their build is a little funky, now maybe you're down to two, you really start to weed out those potential trade partners. So it's funny because we talk about it with veterans. For the most part, you see a lot of veterans where their startup ADP is lower in relation to what their trade value was at the end of the season because mm -hmm. people are trying to score points. Travis Kelsey is a unique situation because his startup ADP is actually higher than his trade value from fantasy calc in existing leagues, but it's because you can build the way you want to build and you're not set in, okay, this is my roster and this is existing league. Now I have to work with what I have. Mm -hmm. You're building from scratch. And I think your pull of whether it's people willing to draft Travis Kelsey or willing to trade for him in existing leagues, your, your pull is a little bit deeper in a startup. I completely agree. No, you're dead on. So uh, now you, you go Travis Kelsey. Travis Kelsey or 109? 109. 110. 110. Probably almost any first round pick. I might draw a line at the 112 just for the fun of it. But to, as much as I don't like the players at 109 and 110, I guarantee you I'm going to like them more come May than I'm going to like Kelsey or Kittle. That's just kind of the way that it is. Yeah. And if you do move Travis Kelsey for 109, 110, 111, we talk about the potential trade partners that would be interested in Travis Kelsey or George Kittle. Even if you are not rebuilding, you're still going to have some interest in that 2024 late first. Yep. There's still going to be interest from a value perspective. And I know you don't want to hear it. The I word insulation. You're going to have that at least through the beginning of May when your rookie draft rolls around. So up to this point, a quick little recap after our der derailment here, Mitch, you had Mark Andrews over TJ Hawkinson, but the one Oh five over Mark Andrews, mm -hmm. you had Evan Ingram over David and Joku. And then you had, for forget about the time that this trade is taking place, because obviously we talked about that dynamic Evan Ingram over the one Oh nine and David and Joku over the one Oh nine and Travis Kelsey over George Kittle, but the one Oh nine over Travis Kelsey. Oh man. Okay. Let's see here. What did I write down? Whoever you pick from the Ingram question versus whoever it's like a little bracket being set up here a little bit versus whoever you pick from the Kelsey question. So, Evan Ingram or Travis Kelsey? Oh, Ingram. I'm taking a joke over both of them as well. Okay. Yeah. All right. <sighs> that was a quick one. Yep. Dallas Goddard or 112. I've seen him move for early seconds. Yeah. So that's, I'm going with the 112. And it's not because I don't like Dallas Goddard. I actually think he's a great tight end. But in startups right now, he's going in the ninth and 10th round, even in start two tight end premium leagues. And it's, I'm just 
I wish people would like him, but I think it's the injuries are just catching up with him to where people don't know if they could start him each week because he misses four to five games each season. So like, I'm more than happy to have Gallus, <laughs> Gallus, Dallas Goddard on my team, but the value is the 112, and I don't. You you hate to keep saying that like it's not very close, but if you've been in startups lately, if you've seen Dallas Goddard getting moved, it's the 112. Really, in 2023, Dallas Goddard gave you nothing over a Dalton Schultz. Yeah. He gave you really nothing over a Hunter Henry, a Darren Waller, and everybody likes to crap on him. Caught myself Mm -hmm. there. Uh, Just looking at some. uh, Thank you. Thank you. I'm maturing. I'm growing here. I mean, it's a Sunday morning. You know, I'm still working on my coffee, so I had to tame it down a little bit. Dalton Schultz or Darren Waller just happened to mention those two guys. Yep. Dalton Schultz. And it goes back to the same reason why people are out on Dallas Goddard is you don't know if Darren Waller is going to be there for you 10 weeks out of the season, 16 weeks or four weeks. You just have no idea. So for me, it's starting Dalton Schultz. Does, I mean, you look at Dalton Schultz right now around tight end 17 ish on fantasy calc. He is an impending free agent. Waller with, is too, right? Waller has... Does he have a year left? He is under contract till 2026. Oh, all right. Through all right. the 26 season. But, you know, obviously that offense, even when he was healthy, eh, whatever. Yeah. But Dalton Schultz, now there are talks. Well, he wants to stay in Houston. I bet he does. <laughs> does Houston want him to stay? But I think if anything... There is the potential for Dalton Schultz for his value to rise, whereas a Darren Waller, it's pretty much set in stone with where he is, dirt cheap. I mean, I acquired him for a third earlier in the offseason, and I'm not even thrilled to have Darren Waller, and I actually have him tiered with 212 to 304. So I don't think it was a huge win by on my part by any means, but I was like, sure, why not? But uh, I, I agree. I would go Dalton Schultz over Darren Waller. Now, where are you in terms of picks? Would you go Dalton Schultz or 208? Dalton Schultz over the 208, but I'll take the 208 over Waller. And then where do you draw the line with Dalton Schultz in terms of 2024 picks? Probably 206, 205, right around there. And then if we're looking cross-positionally, even though this isn't a cross-positional episode, Dalton Schultz... In two PPR or Calvin Ridley? No, Dalton Schultz. Dalton Schultz or Keenan Allen? Keenan Allen. Dalton Schultz or Jahan Dotson? Because I know a lot of people in the Discord can't quit Jahan. I'll take Dalton. <laughs> All right, so that's where we are. Now we're getting dirty here. Are you ready? Yes, sir. We are getting dirty with some of these guys. Where is my mouse there it is hunter henry gerald everett or jawan johnson you're in a startup all three of them are staring at you in the face who are you picking hunter henry he is a free agent we brought that up right what happens if he goes to a better scenario and i actually think he is a good player as well Mm -hmm. um he was good before he went to the patriots the patriots used him a little bit early in the season then he kind of died off and i think he had a couple big weeks late it's for me, this one's Hunter Henry, and it's 
and it's well over Gerald Everett. I don't think Gerald Everett is a good tight end by any means. And then Juwan Johnson has all the hype. He's the youngest guy here. He's the guy that you should want, but for whatever reason, he just, well, the reason is Taysom Hill. He's just not on the field as much as other tight ends are. He's only on the field for like 65% of the snaps. And you just can't really have that as your tight end when you're talking about someone else that's going to be on the field for 85% of the snaps. All right, we're not going to go any lower than Hunter Henry, Gerald Everett, or Jawan oh, Johnson. Thank you, because I don't want to talk about anybody else. Do you prefer Hayden Hurst now? Hayden Hurst catching hey, some shade. Hey, he was a big talking point last season. <laughs> He's catching some shade. All right, in each group, which tight end has the highest market value one year from today? And then who has the lowest? Sam Laporta, Trey McBride, Brock Bowers. It's Laporta. I mean, Laporte is number one, then Brock Bowers, then Trey McBride. What would Brock Bowers need to do for you, in your opinion, mm -hmm. to come in and dethrone Sam Laporta? Or what combination has to happen for Brock Bowers' production and Sam Laporta's maybe struggle, if if there were to yeah. be one? What I, I would need for Brock Bowers to be over Laporta is Brock. We love him. We love Brock Bowers as a prospect. We love what he's going to bring to teams, but now he's going to have to go out and produce. Sam Laporta had one of the best rookie seasons in NFL history. If Brock Bowers want to, wants to go in and jump over him, he's going to have to be pretty close stats-wise in the 24 season. If he doesn't do that, then you can't ever rake him above Sam Laporta because while we love him as a prospect, we do need points. And tight ends, it matters with points. Like We need to see the weekly value. And if we don't see it, Brock Bowers is never going to be ahead of Sam Laporta. Can he? Yes. But do I really think he's going to walk in and have that kind of a year? No, because no one really has that kind of a year. Except Sam Laporta. Except Sam Laporta. Exactly. All right. Here's a here's a head-to-head uh, -head matchup just based on where the values were. Dalton Kincaid or Kyle Pitts? Dalton Kincaid. Why? I think Kincaid, he showed enough this past season to where you could see how their that offense is going to use them, right? And you probably could have said the exact same thing after Kyle Pitts was rookie year. Sadly, after Kyle Pitts' rookie year, you can't start him on your team. Kincaid was at least borderline startable. So if someone comes out and says, no, I think Kyle Pitts with the new coaching staff is going to be amazing, I'm not going to argue with you on it. But I think Don Kincaid at least showed enough this season to where you can at least trust him in your lineup. ADP over the last 30 days, and this is just in typical PPR. Dalton Kincaid, 55th overall. Kyle Pitts, 56th overall. Oh, wow. <laughs> so it is pretty close. And then, according to Fantasy Calc Live Values here, Dalton Kincaid, tight end six. Kyle Pitts, tight end eight. But they're within 10 spots overall. So I think that that's a good positional battle where I think it would be close to a 50-50 split where... Half prefer Kincaid, half prefer Pitts. And you mentioned kind of, I think the pushback you would get, well, you just said Kincaid was somewhat startable here during his rookie year, and we saw how they were going to use him. But Kyle Pitts, he was right up there with one of the most historic rookie seasons of all time for a tight end. Agreed. Completely agree. Yeah. That's why it's really hard to compare one guy's rookie year to the other guy's third year in the league with a bad coaching staff. It's not... It's definitely not apples to apples. So that's why if someone says P Pitts, I agree. I just 
Kincaid with Josh Allen for me. And this is going to go into the next question too. Like just who has the better quarterback? Well, if someone has Josh Allen, I'm probably going to pick that tight end. This next trio is an interesting one because the uh, the range of outcomes at yes. versus their current value, it's so wide, okay? Cole Komet, Jake Ferguson, Michael Mayer. Who has the highest value one year from today? It goes Jake Ferguson, Michael Mayer, then Cole Komet. I actually like Cole Komet the most as far as talent goes, but Jake Ferguson is going to be with Dak this upcoming year. We don't know if Cole Komet is going to be with Caleb Williams, if he's going to be with Justin Fields. Michael Mayer might have Aiden O'Connell throwing him the ball, right? And so right now, if I have to pick, I'm just going to go with a guy that's going to be in the better offense. That definitely is a pass-heavy offense. So it's going to be Ferguson. And then you could really throw a toss-up between Mayer and Komet. Mayer's younger, so I'll probably just go with him. Yeah, looking at the two trios I've thrown at you so far, just in terms of potential variance, even though I love Trey McBride, I think he has the widest range of outcomes and really the lowest floor, depending on how 2024 goes. Again, I love Trey McBride. I have him tiered together with yes. that top yes, group. Yes, you do. And then with Cole Komet, Jake Ferguson, Michael Mayer, with Michael Mayer coming in at tight end 14 right now, I think he has the widest range of outcomes. If he goes out, and he he produces, then there's a very good chance because of his age, he leapfrogs Jake Ferguson and Cole Komet. But with what with what the expectation is, let's say the Bears go out and bring in Caleb Williams, there is going to be a spike in value for Cole Komet. And with the pass heaviness of the Dallas Cowboys offense, Jake Ferguson, I mean he's pretty much got to fall flat on his face to not be able to, to produce somewhat. So I th again, I think Michael Mayer has the widest range of outcomes there. All right. Last group, Jatavion Sanders, Luke Musgrave, Kate Otten. Like why, why do we got to talk about Musgrave? Like, I, I don't know. Uh, I'm just going to go Kate Otten. I mean, these guys are so hard because we don't know who Jade. Let's say we have an instance with Jatavian Sanders to where he goes out. And he goes to a team like what Mayer went to last year to where he isn't the locked-in starting tight end from week one. That's going to hurt his value, man. Mm -hmm. and, and going into next season, that's what we're talking about, going into the 25 season, right? So it's, I, by all reality in Dynasty, you should say, well, it's Jatavian Sanders, then it's Musgrave, then it's Auten. The problem is when you get into these tight ends, if they're not producing, it's going to turn into an issue. So right now, I'm going to go Kate Auten. Going to go Jatavian Sanders just because he is the rookie and then Luke Musgrave. But you could really pick these guys any way that you want. I know, like I was saying before, the correct dynasty value would be going Jatavian Sanders first. Without knowing where he lands, that's a big issue. What if he just goes behind someone? Let's say he goes to the Saints. And then he's behind Juwan Johnson, who we don't even love as a tight end. But if he's not getting the snaps, then his value is just going to keep slowly sliding down. Final thoughts. All right, Mitch, for the 234th time, talk about some veteran buys and 2025 values. Oh, man, what are we doing next week? I have no idea. You had like this whole list planned out for the next four months, so you should be able to pull that up and know what we're doing. The days are varied, but we've stuck with that schedule very well. We, we have. We have. Anyway, for the 234th time, Mitch, what do you got for final thoughts? I'm um, just... 
real quick, anyone who's in those MFL leagues, if you're commissioner, get them switched over to 24. If you aren't a commissioner and you're in the leagues, fix your IR, fix your taxi, fix everything so the commissioner doesn't have to worry about it come draft time. Hey, I can't make a draft pick because my roster's out. Well, yeah, it's been out for two months. Could you just like, you know, be, put a little bit of work into that? That'd be great. But that's my only thing. It's just, it's the MFL time of year, getting everything switched over and then filling orphans and all that good stuff. Hey, if you're one, if you're into Dynasty Orphans, let me know. I have a few of them. They need a loving home. <laughs> That's right. Too. All right. For Mitch Sorensen, Dan LaMagna, who's not on today's episode, obviously, I would hope that you noticed that 40 minutes in. I'm John Bauer. Hopefully you all enjoy the episode. Have a great week. We'll catch you later.